to another episode of Future Nation. Are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Where we speak with some of today's brightest innovators and explore the future of disruptive innovation. Let's go. Here's your host, Daniel Callow. Hi, and welcome to Future Nation. I am your host, Daniel Callow. Today, I will be speaking with Brad Gurry. Brad has always been at the forefront of disruptive change. In 2004, Brad was the general manager of lastminute.com. It was there that he saw the power that a disruptive platform can have in changing consumer behavior. In 2012, he moved in as head of strategy for Catch Group, one of Australia's most innovative and fastest growing e-commerce retailers. Today, Brad is the CEO of Social Suite, a social measurement platform that is revolutionizing the way organizations measure their social impact and make change for good. I introduce to you Brad Gurry. Hello, Brad, and thank you very much for agreeing to be on Future Nation today. Uh, thanks, Dan. It's great to be on Future Nation. Tell us a bit about your background. Well, my career has kicked off in the hospitality industry um, quite a few years back now, Uh, but essentially I was working in hotel operations and um, one night the computer system blew up and I uh, had to spend 24 hours uh, working with the technology vendor to actually fix it. And then a couple of weeks later, I got offered a job by them and that was sort of my transition into technology and uh, I spent a few years traveling the world installing computer systems um, for hotels. And then um, subsequently, I sort of moved into the commercialization of um, technology in the hotel um, industry. So what I found was that I actually sort of moved into this role of being general manager of lastminute.com. And this was in the heady days of when consumers were shifting their booking patterns from booking with travel agencies to booking online. So it was a really fascinating time. So I was general manager of lastminute.com and it was sort of a very much a head-to-head race between lastminute.com and what if at that point. Um, What if sort of come out of the blocks very fast, had this fantastic user interface and uh, a really good team of people. So at last minute, we were sort of playing this catch up to what if. And one day we're sort of coming back from um, holidays and we had this idea of launching a, a new product, which is called Secret Hotels. And Secret Hotels was this concept where consumers would actually go to lastminute.com, book a hotel, but they wouldn't know what name of the hotel was. So they knew the city and the star rating. So it might be a four-star hotel in Sydney for 99 bucks. So we launched that. And then what we found was that pretty much by the afternoon, that the customers were just falling over backwards to book these secret hotels. Wow. That was a fascinating time because it just made last minute at that point in time just skyrocket in terms of bookings and sales, but also its perception in the industry. So we sort of built our business off the back of this secret hotel model. And uh, about two years later, we had What If Come and actually acquire lastminute.com, which is now owned by Expedia. So yeah. Following that acquisition, I moved into an organization which at the time was listed on the NASDAQ and had no presence in the Asia-Pacific market, which was called TravelZoo. So it was a travel media business. And at that time, I was employee number one in Australia. I was the managing director of Australia. So I launched Australia in the Southeast Asian markets, which was this uh, business model, which is around travel media, where we were finding these travel deals and selling it into large travel organizations throughout the world. And we built 
this massive audience of 20 million people around the globe. So I ran that in the Australian marketplace and then ultimately become the co-CEO of Asia Pacific, where we had 100-odd people around Asia Pacific, offices in Shanghai, Beijing, Tokyo, Hong Kong, Singapore, and Sydney as well. So it was a really exciting time. We ended up selling that business. And then following that, I moved to catch.com, which was originally catch of the day. Yep. Uh, so I worked with the brothers, Gabby and Hezzy, and I worked there as head of strategy in the organization. So working across a number of their brands, being scoop on doing some work on the catch business. Yep. And so I spent two years there and it was a fascinating organization where catch was preparing for Amazon coming into the marketplace. So right. when Gabby and Hezzy kicked off the business, they had one product that they were selling a day. And uh, today they have more than a million products listed on their website. So it's wow. seen huge expansion <laughs> and they've got a massive warehouse out at Truganina yep. where they've got robots running around picking products. And, you know, from an entrepreneurial perspective, Catch is fascinating and they're really up for going out and testing new concepts and seeing if they work and if they work, fantastic. If they don't, you know, very happy just to move on. So yeah. yeah. After two years there, I had the opportunity to come in to be the CEO of Social Suite. So I started in January of last year in 2018. And I must say, it's been one of the most exciting times of my career to be part of Social Suite. It actually feels very much like uh, when I entered in lastminute.com, where there was this massive transition of consumers booking online. Yeah. And um, now what we're seeing is a lot of organizations embracing impact measurement and Social Suites, a organization from a software perspective, helps a diverse range of organizations measure their impact. Yeah, excellent. So you've always been at the forefront of excitement, it sounds like, in tech and online. Yeah, timing's, um, timing's one of these things that uh, um, sometimes you absolutely get it right and other times, you know, you may miss the mark. And I've heard people say, you know, there's you look at MySpace, um, which was obviously the, yeah. <laughs> the first one out there, and then, you know, then you've got Facebook and, uh, you know, that's a great example of timing. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I think, you know, I've seen it throughout my career where we've hit the mark on timing sometimes and then other times it's not quite there. Yep. Social Suite. Tell us a little bit more about what Social Suite actually is. Yeah, so Social Suite, there's really four components to Social Suite. The technology platform helps organizations embed a methodology. And when we talk about a methodology, there's a whole range of methodologies out there that have been developed by academics or that they're bespoke development of um, methodologies for an organization. And essentially, when we talk about a methodology, we're talking about what are the measures that an organization wants to collect and what are the time points that they want to collect those measures from a social investment perspective? So when we look at Social Suite, uh, a really great example might be a, a drug and alcohol intervention program for a not-for-profit. So what they look to do is measure various indicators as a, a beneficiary would come into the program and then progressively throughout their treatment. And then you know they might be looking to do a 12-month follow-up and a 24-month follow-up to get this longitudinal view of not only the individual, but the cohort and then the program. So we embed those methodologies into Social Suite. And then we've got a whole range of tools that allow organizations to go out and collect data in the field. So we've got mobile apps where they can work offline and collect data in an interview basis. We've got the ability to do surveys via email or text messages. And then we've got the ability to also bring in third-party data sets into Social Suite. So once we've collected all that data, 
then we've got an analytics platform that sits over the top of that and allows organizations to visualize their impact and make organization critical decisions off the back of what they've collected. Yeah, it's fantastic. And you use the term predictive intelligence. Yeah, this is an area that we see as an enormous opportunity in the space. And the key thing is, is that the, in terms of the evolution of measuring impact, what we've seen, particularly in corporates and also at a not-for-profit level, a lot of organizations have really done a great job of establishing their strategies. And then what they do is they start to implement those strategies. And then it's about collecting the data. I suppose this is a sort of a bit of a disconnect in the sector at the moment is around that data collection and the organization of that data. When we want to overlay predictive intelligence, we need to make sure that all the data is very, very well organized so so we can start to get those insights. And this is probably the disconnect in the sector at the moment is around having that data really well organized. I think that, you know, from a social suite perspective, what we've been able to do is actually have a really sophisticated data architecture that can organize that data. So now we can start to look at overlaying predictive intelligence. And that's an opportunity where a service provider like a not-for-profit, what they would do is, you know, they might have 50 15 different caseworkers out there delivering a program uh, to beneficiaries and their senior already against those caseworkers could be all different. You've got one, you know, that's really senior, that's really tapped into all the, the latest and the greatest ways of being able to help a beneficiary, or you might have somebody that's quite new and junior. But if you've got predictive intelligence, essentially what you can do is look at a big data set and find out what is the best performing intervention for a specific demographic and the characteristics of that person based based on their background and also how they're actually answering the questions around the methodology. And then what you can do is determine what is the most appropriate intervention to help that person come along. So we see this as an enormous opportunity for Social Suite and um, also the sector to help better serve the beneficiaries. Yeah, it sounds like it definitely improves efficiency and consistency. Absolutely. And I think that's a really important point. Yeah. In regards to the segmentation, is it only the larger corporates that are engaging in measuring their social impact? What are the other segments? Well, when we talk about social impact and we look at, I suppose, the customer segmentations that we we see and the way that we've been able to group it, is that we see four customer segmentations. There's the corporate social responsibility programs that a lot of the large corporates are running. And we see this typically, you know, Fortune 500 organizations or the ASX top 50 are all very focused around that. And it tends to be the larger organizations that have really embraced it. So there's that as a customer segment. We also see social impact sitting very well at a not-for-profit level. So there's a lot of these organizations that are providing services to beneficiaries across a whole range of different themes. Then social impact also sits at the foundation level as well. So there's all these funders that are deploying capital into various programs. So that might be someone like the government, for instance, or a large foundation that has got multiple donors going into it and then picking various themes that they want to spend money on. And then we also see organizations that have developed methodologies that want to deploy those methodologies into service providers as well. So that's broadly our four customer segmentations and the way that we sort of see that the um, the sector's structured. Yeah. And what about the types of organisations? Is there any preference that Social Suite has in who they work with? 
When we look at social impact from a technology perspective, we see that the best organizations to work with are the people that have actually done a lot of that capacity building within their organization to start with. So what they've done is they've actually determined what their strategy is. They've also started to understand what is the measures and the methodology that they want to use to collect data, what are the time points. And then what we'll see is that they've actually started to collect data and realize that how difficult this really is. And what we see then is that organizations look to get a more of a sophisticated solution to be able to measure their social impact because they want to be able to do two real things. One is they want to prove to their stakeholders, this is the evidence of what we're doing. And then the second part, and this is a really important part, is that they actually want to be able to determine how can we do a better job of deploying the capital that, or our resources to have the greatest impact on the beneficiaries that we're actually serving? So what we're seeing is that impact measurement technology is actually being used as a way of being able to monitor. So historically, a lot of organisations have actually taken a retrospective approach to the measurement side of things. So three years after a program has kicked off, you know, they'll go and do a study and then they realise, oh, you know, we started off with the best intentions. Uh, but the results that we've got here aren't quite what we expected. If you're actually monitoring, what happens then is that you can pick up these indicators that things aren't going quite to plan really early on in the piece and then start to make adjustments off the back of that. Yeah, right. So that real-time monitoring essentially could prevent unintentional negative outcomes because you're not putting your action plan in three years later when you've reviewed everything and realized, well, Ooh, quite, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's done more harm than good to our brand, which essentially means, you know, you're increasing efficiency, increasing opportunity, potentially even ROI. Yeah. And that's a big part of it is the return on investment. So we're working with this organization in the UK at the moment. They fund 300 different service providers right across London. And what they do is they pick various themes that they want to um, have an impact around. So what they'll do is they'll deploy the capital to these service providers. And what they want to be able to achieve is an aggregated view of what are the outcomes of each of the service providers across this particular theme. And as they look at that, what they can do is they can either say that, you know, this service provider here is having this fantastic outcome. Let's deploy more capital into that particular program and see if we can spread that across other service providers because they're getting the greatest outcome. And then the other thing is as well is that if something's not working is that they can identify that quite early and start to make adjustments like in an agile style way to improve the way that that program is actually performing. Yeah, right. So using that real-time data is key. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a quote that I read in a HBR article, actually, that said too much of the money available to address social needs is used to maintain the status quo. That couldn't be so true. Is that correct? That's correct. I think, you know, social issues are very, very complex. And if you don't have that data at your fingertips, then it's very difficult to make decisions around what's having the greatest impact. You need the evidence. And if you don't have the evidence, then essentially what's happening is that people are relying upon emotional politics to be able to fund various causes. Yeah. And that's not serving the beneficiaries particularly well. If you've got that evidence there, you can clearly identify what is the interventions that is having the greatest impact on a particular issue. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything more important than that. No, definitely not. Social Suites had a pre-Series A funding, which is pretty exciting. 
It is very exciting. 1.85 million. So it's proof that the concept is received well and others have jumped on board and pushing the cause. Tell us a bit more about that funding round and how you went. Well, um, it was very much an exciting time to, to raise that $1.85 million. Um, you know, you always set off thinking that uh, we'll be able to to get this knocked over very quickly, but obviously it takes a little bit longer than uh, you initially anticipated. And I think, you know, we, we learned a lot going through that capital raise. Yep. And what we ended up with was a group of investors that are actually quite passionate about this sector. Yeah. and that was the key thing that we sort of picked up was that, uh, you know, if you can find people that are really passionate about this sector, there's certainly a natural affinity to, to investing in it. One of the things that really helped us through the capital raise was that we we're actually signing a lot of deals. Uh, so not only was that was really great from a cash flow perspective, it actually gave a lot of our investors doing due diligence on Social Suite at the time. You know, they got a great deal of confidence about the growth in this particular sector. Um, so that was really fantastic. So what we're looking at doing is that with that one, $1.85 million is that that's in our lead up to our Series A funding. So we see that sort of a 12 to 18 month runway to get to our Series A capital raise. And over the course of the next 12 to 18 months is that we'll be finding some really clear proof points and refining our go-to-market strategy to make sure that when we're at that Series A, it's really just tipping money at the top of the funnel and knowing what the outcomes are going to be. Yeah, fantastic. I've read a bit about Social Suite, seeing that you're really trying to hit those international markets, which is fantastic. Tell me a bit more about one of the projects on an international market that you're currently doing. Yeah, so we're actually seeing natural demand come to us, which is fantastic. And I think, you know, post Series A is that we'll look to go out and actively target those markets. But recently at the back end of last year, we had an opportunity come our way. There's this organization, a foundation in Paraguay called Foundation Paraguay that have come up with this methodology to eliminate poverty. Wow. Uh, They've got some really sophisticated technology requirements in regards to being able to deploy this methodology. Yeah. Effectively, what they do is that they've come up with this multi-dimensional poverty elimination methodology, which goes across 50 different indicators. So they'll go out into the field, they'll do an interview with a family, and they'll ask a whole range of things from like from financial diversity to the way that their housing accommodation is actually set up to things like, you know, do you have a road out the front of your house and do you have a bathroom? Because these are all indicators around poverty. It's not just the financial aspect of it. And we have been able to embed that methodology into Social Suite. And effectively today it went live in Paraguay and they're in the process of actually rolling this out to a million families around the world. They've already got a number of countries across 14 different countries that are currently using the solution. And, you know, we're really honoured to be partnering with them. It's an opportunity where here we are, a Melbourne a Melbourne startup yep. that, you know, have been able to enable an organisation to deliver their mission, which is to eliminate poverty throughout the world. So it's led by a truly inspirational leader called Martine Burt, yep. who's come up with the methodology, uh, who's on the global stage talking about how to eliminate poverty. You know, he's really a rock star of eliminating poverty and it's a fantastic opportunity for us to show the wares of social suite but also at the same time is have a very strong purpose and be able to work with them yeah 
What sort of challenges did you come across in establishing that? Yeah, so we're very lucky because as an organization, they've got a very clear view of where they want to head. Yeah. And like with any technology project, if you're working with customers that, uh, number one, are, are passionate, and I've just come back from Paraguay and meeting with them, and these guys are absolutely super smart and very, very passionate, and you know they're well-organized and they know what they want. So a lot of those challenges that you would typically experience in the technology deployment have been solved by that alone. Yeah. Um, from a time zone perspective, it means, you know, getting up very early and late <laughs> nights to, to be able to, to service that. And that's just being a startup business. And, yeah. you know, that we see this as an enormous opportunity to be able to work with such a well-recognized organization as we'll do whatever it takes to be able to deliver it. Yeah. So a million families, that's a lot of data to collect. How does one go about collecting that data? Well, in terms of their methodology, they've been able to develop a number of data collection methods. Yeah. So in some instances that they're deploying surveys, so they have a mentor that goes and buddies up with a mentee and yeah. they'll conduct a survey or a data collection plan where they're collecting data and then they'll work with that family to move them from a red indicator to a green and then they'll conduct that on a couple of occasions per year. They also roll the program to a number of corporates where the corporates are wanting to shift their employees from a poor position to a more of an affluent position. Oh, um, yeah. So what they're doing is that might be setting up kiosks in the staff room or being able to send out surveys via email or text to those employees. Corporates see this as a really fantastic way of being able to help their employees become more productive. If they're, you know, struggling with poverty, then you can see that, you know, the, the productivity is obviously going to increase when they don't have those burdens on themselves. The other opportunity is actually going directly to the people that are in a poverty position and using technology like mobile phones. So penetration of mobile phones is very, very high, even people that are living in poverty. Yeah. Um, so you can go directly to them and deploy the methodology around that side of things. So there's multiple touch points in the way that data can be collected. But I think the key thing is, is that, it's a sophisticated database structure that sits underneath to be able to to collect all that data, aggregate that data, and then be able to draw um, cause and correlation between all that data as well. Yeah, that's where all the magic happens. Absolutely. Can you tell us a bit about a project that you're doing in Australia? Oh, we've been doing some work. We've been doing some trials with the Bendigo Bank. Um, Bendigo Bank is a fascinating organisation in regards to their commitment to community-based projects where they've got 300-odd franchisee banks that all have their own board and their governance structures that are making decisions on how they want to redeploy a lot of their profits back into community projects. So they're you know, putting money into sporting clubs and also um, not-for-profits and a whole range of um, really fantastic opportunities. And the key thing for Bendigo Indigo is being able to get this consolidated view of all the great work that they're doing. And this is a really fascinating project that we're working on. Again, these guys have been great partners and very, very easy to work with. So that continues to evolve that particular trial of social suite for Bendigo Bank. Yeah, fantastic. And can you tell us about some of the great outcomes from some of your customers? Yeah, one of the early adopters of Social Suite was the YMCA Bridge Project, which is a fascinating project that effectively works with young offenders. Yeah. And it's a recidivism project where they work with them to do training, mentoring, and then also provide employment opportunities with them. So they deployed Social Suite. 
And what they're doing is they're actually collecting data at various times. And one of the outcomes of the program that they've been able to achieve is that a reduction in recidivism from 50% to 3% for young offenders that have taken part of the wow. bridge project. So yeah. it's amazing to see how much impact that they're actually having on their participants. Yeah. And I mean, prior to using Social Suite or a technology such as Social Suite, they were probably not able to even measure. Yeah, if they if they didn't have social suite, the situation would be is that maybe they're looking at retrospectively, and you know yeah. there might be some time after that the program has actually been delivered that they'd see the results and say, oh, this is a great result. If you know these indicators quite early, that means that you can double down on it and yeah. you can actually go harder um, yeah. on various things. Or as I sort of mentioned earlier, if it's actually doing harm, then you can start to modify the program to have a more positive impact. Yeah. Um, but certainly in the case of the YMCA Bridge Project, uh, they've been able to achieve amazing results. Yeah, it's very interesting, uh, Social Suite and, I mean, the technology itself, because every other function of a business, we've been able to analyze in real time and make real-time decisions. I mean, look at the financial aspect of a business and the accountants. They don't let things go for three years and then realize maybe we shouldn't spend that much money on X, Y, and Z they'll bring it up straight away. And I feel that social impact has been left behind, has sort of been neglected and its methodologies are predated. And I can see where Social Suite really brings a problem to the forefront and that problem being able to analyse data in real time. Yeah, absolutely spot on. In fact, um, I'm looking at our vision statement as it sits up on the wall and our vision statement says, the vision of Social Suite is a future where organisations can use technology to report impact as effectively as financial performance. So yeah. that's um, so it's absolutely spot on in what you say. You know, we look at organisations like Zero and seeing what they've been able to achieve from the automation of the financial side of things. Yeah. So we want to be able to automate and present the non-financial data that all organizations are collecting and being able to make that as simple as possible. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, end of the day, it's positive outcome, it's return on investment, positive social impact. There are so many benefits from being able to do it. There's almost no negative. And I mean, the negative is the learning curve and deploying it initially. Yeah. That will get easier over time as technology develops, that will get easier. So it's almost a no-brainer. That's it. I think this is a sector that's seeing, you know, rapid maturity coming through it. There's some fantastic, innovative people that are really, really passionate. And that's the one thing that I've been able to observe in terms of the sector is that it's just full of very, very passionate people. More than anything that I've ever seen in my corporate life is that people really attach themselves to have a positive impact on social issues. So it makes it very easy to get out of bed in the morning when you've got, you know, really interesting projects to work on that are ultimately going to improve the lives of people. I think that's it. You've hit the nail on the head. You're in one of the most passionate industries on the planet, social impact and social change. And it's one of the essences of being human, I suppose, is helping other fellow humans and trying to make good and tying that in with your corporation. I agree with that. And it's one of the things that I've, um, you know, coming into um, Social Suite as a startup business where we had 10 people, um, one of the things that was really important was really to continue to talk about our purpose as an organisation. And when we talk about our customers, like we're involved in a poverty elimination program or that we spoke about the YMCA Bridge Project, the recidivism program, or drug and alcohol or youth crisis centres or being able to work with large corporates like Australia Post and Marks and Spencer, when we 
talk about those opportunities as an organization. It's one of the things that all the staff at Social Suite are really, really proud about and really committed to. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about the disruption here. Obviously, any sort of automated technology is going to disrupt a sector. In this case, social suites technology will disrupt the existing manual methods. Yep, which so all the pens and paper pens and, and sharpeners. And, and you've got lots of people working overtime to try to make sense mm. of data and collecting and working out what that data means and then putting together reports and plans. So it's definitely disrupting that model. So there'll be a lot of consultants out there that probably won't be needed as much as they used to to be. We see the consultancy sector as a really important go-to-market channel. Yeah, A lot of organisations are having bespoke methodologies created. So consultants will come in and actually do that capacity building within the organisation and yeah. structure up the methodology. And then at that point in time, what they can do is engage with Social Suite to be able to deliver the methodology that they've used and come back and do reviews. So we hope that we can make the consultant's job a lot easier and add more value. Yeah, add more value. So essentially their scope will increase, their billing could potentially increase as a result Yep, because they're adding more value to their clients. So the value increases on both ends. I mean, where else do you see value creation or a flow on effect happen as a result of this technology? The most important flow on is the fact that with the data is that you can deploy your activities to what's the area that's going to have the greatest impact on your beneficiaries. So as opposed to spending money on a particular item that may sit within a program, we worked with an organisation in Western Australia that had gym memberships that were being given out to youths, which is a part of this holistic program that they had. And they realised through the monitoring of this program was that none of the kids were using the gym memberships. So as opposed to continuing giving out gym memberships, they took that away, saved $35,000 and actually redeployed that money into something that the kids actually had a greater affinity with. Yeah. So that's a really great example of being able to use technology to quickly identify what is actually happening in a program and then being able to make the modifications to that. So I think the flow on effect is actually being able to, you know, rapidly have an impact in the beneficiaries' lives. There's a return on investment from a time perspective. So as opposed to using pen and paper and multiple spreadsheets or disparate survey tools is that we can aggregate that and have a purpose-built system that will just take that time and effort out of an organisation, which means that they can actually spend more time focusing on delivering good as opposed to doing reports. Um, yeah. The other big thing is is that we're seeing larger organisations actually coming out with their impact reports or sustainability reports. And as a part of that, the, the evolution of it, because they're coming out and making public statements, is that these reports are actually getting audited by auditors. So if you're collecting that data and you're using spreadsheets or doing it on paper or whatever, it's very difficult to audit that. So what we're seeing is that people want to have a solution where all the information can come through. You've actually got an audit trail of the way that the data is being collected, which makes it a lot easier then for auditors to come in and be able to see what the true impact is. Yeah. So the audit report essentially lines up with your claims. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. (laughs) Which is important. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk a bit about the future. Where do you see this sort of technology heading and what sort of changes do you think it'll make to organisations of the future? 
So from a sector perspective, what we're seeing is a lot of maturity that's happening. So it's a sector that's emerging. There's some very, very smart people about it in the sector. But one of the things that we've seen is that there's lots of different methodologies out there. So there's, you know, there might be 15 different ways about how to assess a particular program. So what happens is that it can be very challenging for organizations to do any benchmarking. So, you know, what's one program performing like a different program? Uh, There's a lot of complexities around that because, you know, in the instance of a, say, a disability service provider is that you might have varying degrees of disability. Does that mean that a particular disability service provider is not performing as well because they're dealing with someone that's more severe than somebody else? So there's a lot of complexities around that. This is a sector. But one of the things that I think that we'll definitely see in the future is the ability to have some more consistency around the way that um, what is the methodologies. From a technology perspective, was once we can collect data and be able to get aggregate views of how programs are performing, there's so many things that we're able to leverage. So that predictive intelligence is a really important thing that we'll be able to leverage. Yeah, The ability to benchmark, the ability to do improvements in regards to how programs are delivering, how we can share the thoughts and the best practices from one organization to another organization, which Mm. ultimately is going to have an impact on the individuals. So how can we get the best knowledge and the best programs to be able to be spread right across the world. So, you know, we see that as an enormous opportunity and hopefully Social Suite's going to be front and centre of it. Yeah, definitely. So, Brad, you've been around innovation for a long time. You've been in a lot of positions within a lot of exciting companies and you've always had teams around you that are very successful and innovative. Tell us a bit about how you foster creativity and innovation within your team. Well, there's a couple of things that from role to role that I've always been able to bring along. One of the things that I really enjoy is that each quarter we have an offsite meeting. Yeah. And that's an offsite meeting that it's not me standing up in front of the team and talking. It's essentially we do planning activities prior to the offsite meeting and we hand over the team to be able to present where they see the biggest challenges in the business, what's their views around solving that. And I know that the rest of the team really likes that opportunity to be able to see what their colleagues are talking about and where their challenges are. My view is to spread the problems across many and you know collectively we'll be able to solve it. One of the other great things that we've been able to do, particularly at Social Suite, and um, this is something that I've really enjoyed, is that we do fireside chats with our customers. So we get them in typically on a Friday afternoon, might have a beer with them yeah, nice. and um, everyone will sit around and we'll fire off just a couple of quick questions. And essentially we'd like to know, you know what's their purpose and give a bit about their organization because that's always inspirational when you've got someone coming in with a really big cause. So the team gets excited about that. And then we also ask questions about, you know, what's been their experience with Social Suite? Why did they choose it? Has it met their expectations? And that's been a really great opportunity for us to really get true insights, particularly after you've had a couple of beers, is that the information starts to flow. And we find that as a really important way of being able to improve ourselves, but also understand from a sector perspective where their pressure points are. As the CEO of Social Suite, I actually spend most of my time in discussions with our customers and prospects. So you're just immersed in the industry. You're understanding, you know, where the challenges are, where the opportunities are. And I think that's a great way of being able to innovate. Yeah. I always find that the most innovative time is when you're on holidays and it's in the back of your subconscious (laughs) (laughs) where you're you're not sort of, um, you're not always thinking of it and trying, oh, how do I solve this? But things start to come out and, uh, you know, sort of January, you can start to 
execute some of these things and yeah. and uh, see what's happening. Yeah. And what about personally yourself? Do you have any secret weapons or anything that helps you to be creative or innovative? Well, I think working in a startup business is that one of the traps are is that you're so immersed in the business and the operations and I'm trying to, you know, you're always spread very thin and you don't actually get a lot of time to think. So there's a couple of things that I do on a weekly basis. I'm religious about trying to go swimming. Yeah. Uh, so I'm in a, a master's squad that, where we swim three times a week and that's my opportunity is to try and disconnect and re-energize myself. And I find if I can do those types of things, then you also get that opportunity just to have that bit of a time to think. So, you know, I really try and make sure that there's some balance to give yourself time to think. And that's an important thing because you've got all this information coming at you. Uh, we're not short of data and information and opinions and views or strategies. Definitely not. Um, you've got to take time to go back and actually distill that information, yeah. work out what's important. And I think one of the key things is only picking a handful of things. You can't do everything. Yeah. And do a couple of things and do them really, really well and start to understand what those indicators are of success. And if it's not working, modify it or can it and move on to the next thing. Yeah, fantastic advice there. Brad, is there a book that you recommend? Well, over the Christmas break, I picked up The Lean Startup. I thought it'd be great just to sort of refresh myself with that book. It's something that I've read in the past. Now, as you get into it, it always organizes your thought and sort of fine tunes a few things on being able to do lots of testing. Yeah. And that's one of the things that post Christmas that we've done as an organization is actually come back into the business and do lots of really small tests to find out, you know, how people are responding to various things. Yeah. And, you know, that we continue to take, you know, some of the inspiration out of that book and apply it to what we're doing on a daily basis. Yeah, The Lean Startup, it's a great book. And I think every single person that I know that's in a startup, who's been a part of a startup, has probably read that book. It's a fantastic- It's a staple. It's a staple. <laughs> it's a staple. It's, a staple. It's, it's, it's part of the startup kit. Absolutely. When they welcome you, they give you the book. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you very much for being a part of Future Nation and doing the interview. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. We are always looking for innovative and interesting people to be on our show. If you or someone you know would like to share their experience and be a featured guest on Future Nation, head on over to futurenation.co and click on apply to be a guest. If you like this episode, please subscribe to receive future episodes as they are released. Once again, thank you for listening to Future Nation. Thank you for listening to Future Nation. Hey, no problem, buddy. Head on over to futurenation.co. What for? For show notes and more. Oh, and don't forget to share and subscribe.